People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio and Rodney Trudgeon introducing you to this week's edition of People of Note talking about a subject that's close to my heart, and that is honey and honey bees. And have you ever heard of a honey sommelier? Well, I'll introduce you to one in just a moment, but the inaugural Cape Honey Festival took place in Pal uh, just recently, hosted by the Western Cape Bee Industry Association with spice root destinations, a mecca for food lovers. And the Western Cape, I gather, produces some of the most developed and diverse honeys in the world. Now, my guest is Natasha Lyon, a beekeeper, bee guardian, and South Africa's first honey sommelier. She trained through the National Register of Experts in the Centenary Analysis of Honey in Bologna in Italy and has quickly established herself as a leading authority on honey, bees, and bee conservation in South Africa and around the world. She's also the founder of Lion Raw Artisan Honey, as well as the heart and soul behind various other bee-benefiting brands and business endeavors. Natasha, welcome. Thank you. I Thank think you that you much. are <laughs> something of a unique guest because when we talk about a sommelier, one thinks of those experts in restaurants that come and tell you what wine to pair with your food. And it is similar what you do, isn't it? Exactly. Yes, that's actually a good thing because it introduces the audience to a practice obviously the skills and the application of the training is very similar to that of olive oil tasting wine tasting etc and yes I'm, I'm often met with really <laughs> now there's a sommelier <laughs> and honey too um, but it it is such a th- th- there are very strong similarities but then there are key differences as well and some of them is, you know, the, the botanical footprint from which the, the bees forage. So with wine and olive oil, the winemaker um, and olive oil maker have got some kind of control over the varietal where they plant the, you know, the, mm. the, the vegetation or the wine vineyards and, and the trees. Where with honeybees, we can place a hive, a hives in a, or set up a little apiary in a specific botanical footprint, but you really don't know. You know, the bees can fly between five and seven kilometers radius and sometimes even further. Um, So although we have an idea what they forage on, and that is one of the the, the key things about being a beekeeper. You know, we've got some amazing beekeepers in our country. You know, some of them second, third generation, um, small artisanal beekeepers that are so in tune with their botanical footprint. And it's like reading a book. You know, they know Mm. um, when certain plants Will, will be flowering, the nectar flow, how rainfall both in the previous year and the current year affects the production of, of, of um, nectar. And yes, so it, it really is an artisanal 
profession. Um, Are there many sommeliers, honey sommeliers in South Africa? So this course um, have been running since the, um, I think it's 1998 in English, um, before it was done in Italian. And I think they've had over, I mean, I was there um, in November 2022, and Raphael was saying they, on our notes it says 3,000, but a lot more students that's gone through the course. However, very few actually end up practicing. So currently I'm part of an international honey sommelier work group. It's an informal work group, and there are six of us across four con- five continents. Okay. So it's very okay. specialized, it and is. I think it's a very new thing still, you know. So right. yeah. It's an unusual career choice highly specialist it seems so what made you decide to become a honey sommelier in the first place (laughs) to be honest Rodney I had I had no idea this is where it's all going to end up really I've just followed my passion and kept reading and have you always had a passion for bees because it sounds like it you know for nature yes and and it's bizarre like when I started working with it I remember when we were little I used to follow the bees around with glass jars and um, I actually you know told my sister this but she didn't have such a good recollection but I remember us playing together and I tried to get the bees you know to catch the bees with the most pollen on the hind legs oh. and we had a point system and then you know sort of poor bees but that was all forgotten you know we, we let them go again oh, okay. um, but in in 2016 um, bees moved into our irrigation box as they do you know they they like cavities that's protected from from the elements and we got beekeeper Andrew to come in and relocate and I asked him to give if he can break off a piece of honeycomb now we've all seen honeycomb mm. you know and photos in fact, there's one standing here yes <laughs> filled with because honey because you're threatening yes. a honey tasting <laughs> right here on air indeed if, if <laughs> uh, yeah if we've got time that would be wonderful okay. um, and Andrew you know relocated the bees and I remember holding up this this comb well first of all it was virgin comb it was quite white um, I didn't realize you know it's so white a new comb but the the weight of it is is what's I couldn't believe that such a light structure could hold such a heavy commodity. Oh, but but the other thing that really blew me away, you know, I held it up to the kitchen light and I was like, How do they do this? How do they do this? I mean <laughs> have you ever studied the those little hexagon cells, I mean, they are exactly the same. You know, there's no one in there with a, you know, yeah, <laughs> engineer yes. with a measuring. Yes. And it just started from there. You know, I started reading and it uh, became a bit obsessive, to be honest. And when I realized, you know, we've got di- nine di- different biomes in South Africa, our honeys are super complex. And when I realized how many different flavors and aromas, and the other thing is every single harvest is unique. Every harvest is like a snowflake, you know, so... You, Rodney, I mean, if if you go to a wedding or come to work, etc., you may dress differently, you know. So you've got, I always use that analogy because there's tweaks in the differences of, of a certain um, apiary's honey that, that you would harvest year after year. So innately that DNA of the honey is the same, but every single harvest is different, mm-hmm. like you would dress for different occasions um yeah it's just absolutely fascinating and intimidating i can tell you and i hope you're not allergic to bee stings i'm not yet (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you can develop um you know a a reaction or allergic reaction reaction that worsens every time i interviewed um a man who wrote a book called the honey mountain okay uh, and he is allergic to bee stings but he spent his whole life working with bees um, Natasha, there's so much I want to ask you about, not only about honey and bees, but also the actual job of a honey sommelier and how you taste this sort of liquid that's so um, thick. Yes. Um, but 
music what about music what is your first piece of music so um there is a song that just takes me back to the series and i'm sure many listeners um could relate to it um but i just i just love love this series and the music um yeah makes me think of mountains and sea and uh, community and and life really which is called cold little heart by michael kuanuka so that's yeah my first choice <laughs> Thank you. 
That was called Cold Little Heart, Michael Kiwanuka, and it was the first choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, whose name is Natasha Lyon, who is a honey sommelier, and we're talking about that, we're going to be tasting some honey soon. But um, Natasha, what I wanted to know was, why should honey have the skills, uh, specialist skills of a sommelier? I, I think if you ask that question, you will get several different answers. Okay, but no, for, for, for me, really, it is 
above all else to enjoy the honey, to experience these different botanical footprints through the honey. You know, when, when we open that jar of honey, the bees that made it is already in bee heaven. You know, they live between like five and seven weeks. Mm-hmm. But the honey is a story of that botanical footprint of the weather, the, the way the honey's been treated. So for me, the sommelier work behind it and what I do is to showcase our honeys and using these skills to describe what we taste, see, and um, you know the whole flavor of it, and also the texture of the honey, because honey granulates, as we know, it's a natural, you know, sort yeah. of phenomenon. However, adulterated honey that's got added, you know, uh, sugar stood will also granulate. So for me, it is really to transfer these skills and to use language for people to understand and explore honey and ultimately enjoy honey and seek out their local beekeepers, really to try and get raw honey and um, honey that is true to that botanical footprint from from their local beekeepers. Mm-hmm. Our beekeepers really need uh, support from public. Because the other big controversy, isn't it, that so much honey on sale in our supermarkets is definitely not raw. It's been fiddled around with, so one needs to find and buy raw honey specifically. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a difficult topic, that one, Rodney, because first and foremost, there will always be a market for quantity you know for Mm, large scale but we're dealing here with a slow food you know this is a whole food entirely made by nature and in that you know for me we really need to respect the way we harvest it and and you know sort of um, bottle it and and then offer it to the market so yes unfortunately honey is one of the most adulterated food items I think it is very difficult you know obviously to make claims I always say I don't in my collection my honeys I don't um, you know a honey is not included in my collection unless I work with a beekeeper more than often often than not um, present at the extraction of it um, but I think that if we understand the different processes you know for large-scale honey those tons and tons of honey you know is heated so that the heating deters the granulation because the consumer wants a runny product but as soon as we understand honey better and understand and you know every harvest the granulation process could be different from one harvest to the next like aloe daviana the by us, one of the aloe species, granulates within six to or seven to nine days. Mm-hmm. And the glucose component, because there's lots of different sugars, as we know, but the glucose deters often the rate of granulation. So with uh, aloe daviana, it forms tiny, fine little crystals that's almost pasty on your on your tongue. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get to a next one, a next honey that, that granulates into a much larger um, sort of crystals that's not homogeneous, you know, and it feels like grit, almost like a cat's tongue. So all of these elements, it's all about developing the language to try and express what it is that we're tasting. So adulteration is, is very difficult, and I always steer away, you know, unless I've been there, witnessing the extraction process, you just don't know, and you, you can't make a claim. Just talking um, about granulation, Natasha, when we want to get the honey back to its sort of runny, viscous state, we put it in boiling water. That doesn't harm the honey in any way, does it? Because it's almost sounding as though you want us to eat it, granulate it. Oh, yes, please, absolutely. Oh, really, really? <laughs> um, look, honey, you know, when we did this course in Italy, um, 
we go through all the different stages from it being you know quite liquid in a runny state all the way to a pasty grainy state but for me really that's what I want to invite people to do yes experience the honey you know runny honey is actually quite messy and and for me I, I love it sure enough to drizzle it over yogurt it, it's a pain if mm. it's uh, granulated to do that but for all the other uses and smoothies and with cheese boards and on toast I mean it's so much easier to work with it's a bit that the, the, that the consumer world or, or how honey's been positioned to us it's it's formed a, a picture in our brain as a consumer that it needs to be li- liquid and everything's the same color and honey couldn't be further from that Absolutely. Um, you know but to heat honey just to get to that first of all please don't put your honey in the microwave especially <laughs> if it's the real thing and then secondly bees very interestingly are cold-blooded um, but yet the the hive the super organism the temperature inside the hive is close to our body temperature so it's around about 36.4 degrees so in the world of honey it's acceptable to heat honey to hive temperature around about 40 degrees but anything higher than that you really are affecting heat sensitive properties in the honey and if we think about the bees enzymes that they add you know honeybees have got a separate honey tummy I mean how cool is that (laughs) you know so they go off to their foraging area and they suck up the nectar uh, through their proboscis and it goes into their honey tummy but the magic of honey already starts there because enzymes such as Invertas is starting to have uh, chemical you know sort of active certain chemical activations or chemical processes start happening already I mean I'm not a biologist or a entomologist but um, Invertas for instance is partly responsible to break the complex sugars, sugars down into simple sugars so you know there are definitely heat sensitive properties in honey that would be compromised okay, if you but, heat but it I, so, but, so you warm, water. Right. warm water <laughs> well, boiling please water? not boiling water yeah. not boiling water. no ideally not because in the middle you know the honey in the middle of, of, of your jar should be fine but the honey on the outside you know so now you have to get technical and you know, take something and keep stirring it so that's evenly I often just put my jar of honey that's granulated in my car I put it in a in a towel because I don't want it to be exposed to sunlight um, because in your car it often reaches yeah, a it similar does, temperature indeed. to hive and then yeah. tonight it's running because the kids do prefer runny honey, yes, runny um, honey. Yes. <laughs> and the whole thing with sugar you know sugar we've been taught that sugar is the enemy yes. but the sugar in honey is slightly more innocent isn't it look at it it's still very sweet um, but certainly your, your, your sugar the contents of the sugar and if you add all the other little properties although it's there present in minute um, quantities Overall, it is just, it's, it's nature's dessert, really, isn't it? That's a wonderful um, it. You know, dessert. it is made, made by, by the bees mm-hmm. and nature. And, and that's my passion. You know, we should treat it as such. It takes 12 bees, their, their lifespan, to produce one teaspoon honey. 12 bees to produce one, one teaspoon, teaspoon of honey. One teaspoon honey, you know, and so uh, for me, honey first and foremost is medicinal, and we can see a massive awareness, um, and and uh, certainly the demand of honey has, has increased a lot during COVID-19, um, but then you n- really need to try and find it from your local beekeeper, you know, yeah. and ask this question, how do you extract it, and, and b- because, yeah, these guys are doing good jobs, you know, and they, I, I always use this analogy, you know, Rodney, people... Um, we all go off to pharmacies and we, you know, put a whole lot of vitamins and shop. And these are health supplements. That's that's man-made. And, and yes, they work, etc. And we get to the till and, you know, sometimes it's a thousand rand, even more. And you don't bat an eyelid. But when your beekeeper puts his price for a jar up at 10 rand, 
then uh, public will turn away and say so uh, you know all i'm saying is just understand the process of honey understand who you're dealing with what are the extraction um procedures that that the beekeeper apply and and then value that you know value that if you're dealing with a beekeeper you know you're sourcing it from somebody that does responsible beekeeping and know their bees and have gone through all the trouble extracting it then pay a fair price let's have another piece of music natasha because there's lots more i want to ask you la vie en rose with louis armstrong yes indeed yes i love this uh this cover of louis armstrong magic spell you kiss this is love the iron rose when you kiss me heaven sighs and though I close my eyes I see love and rose when you press me to your heart and in a world apart A world where roses bloom And when you speak Angels sing from above Every day word seems To turn into love song Give your heart and soul to me And life will always bleed Love you
Armstrong's version of La Vie en Rose there. And another choice, the second choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, Natasha Leon, who is a honey sommelier. Now, w- one of the things I want to ask you, one of the many things I want to ask you, Natasha, is you've mentioned Italy a few times. Why Italy? To honey, you know, I, I sort of don't associate Italy with honey. I certainly associate Italy with olive oil and wine and food. Yes, so um, it's it's interesting, but they happen to be the world leaders in sensory analysis for honey. Um, So yes, so there's an ISO um, sort of description for sensory analysis, and um, the sensory analysis started in France, and it sort of was took over or you know adopted by the Italians, and they've developed it under. um, It actually this body sits under the agricultural department in you know in Italy, so it's quite unique in in that way, and they have built up a record of honey sensory analysis as well as laboratory laboratory tests that spans over a time frame of 30 to 40 years so if you would have they've got 22 unifloral honeys that we study in the first level of the course and um, I'll use the same example um, let's say you've got acacia which is different to our acacia this is you know from the false robinia tree if they do the laboratory tests for sugar and pollen analysis etc they have built up a library and a record of what acacia a true acacia would look like you know so even the um, the sugar analysis or they have got full records of all the different elements and I think there's over 16 different things they were tested in the laboratory mm-hmm. then the honey gets a tasted by an expert sensory tasting panel and as soon as you operate in a panel, it becomes more scientific. You know, you're able to measure it, and every person acts really like an instrument of an orchestra. And therefore, it is a model that can be repeatable, uh, can be repeated consistently. But something like smoke, if you, you know, the beekeeper perhaps oversmoked it, or uh, the equipment gives off a metal taste, those things are not picked up in a laboratory report. You know, so um, the Italians have really um, they world leaders in 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 training for for honey sensory analysis and when I after I held up that comb and started reading um, I came across this course and yeah it was my, my dream yes and so how, what a what a such a fortunate yeah being a sommelier does it require an innate talent special skills because people when they go for food tasting all that people speak about uh, super tasters you know that you've got something very special does this apply to a honey sommelier as well it does indeed, you know, some people are just better tasters than others. I'm not sure I am, <laughs> but the good news, or yet, shall I say, but the good news is that really a lot of these skills can be learned. And it's like practice. The more you practice, the better you can get at it. Certainly, mm-hmm. that is true. And also, uh, often like in your olfactory bulb, your olfactory senses, your cells will renew after, I think it's over 100 days, etc. So uh, there's an element of practice, but certainly there are some people that just don't have the the same ability you know to to smell or taste honey but these are skills that can be learned and and the more you obviously practice it the the better you get at it yes one thing I do want to just point out um, that I'm asked a lot is and it's important for people to know that I cannot authenticate honey you know honey is is uh, the adulteration of honey is so advanced you will not believe it that unless you have a laboratory you know sort of test so a lot of people send me honeys and go this is this honey can you taste it and (laughs) You know, I can't authenticate honey. It's too complex. No one can really do that without the scientific, you know, laboratory report. 
but what you can do is you can describe the notes and like an orange blossom have got a very diff- very specific profile like the mm-hmm. nose is quite yes. floral you know the taste yes. is floral and certainly you can smell fruity. and taste the different uh, floral flavors and honey oh yes but i mean as a as a man in the street so to speak you can but to take it to the next level or two or three up um how do you do it do you we're going to have a honey tasting yes soon. we are i yes. feel it coming on yes how do you do it do you I mean, you know wine, you put it in a glass, it'll swell it around, yes, exactly. nose, color, exactly. extra, the f- put legs. Yes, yes. What do you <coughs> do with honey now? You're going to sit and taste honey. Yeah, it's not dissimilar. So so with wine, you would swill. When I do honey tastings, I also use wine glasses, um, preferably maybe some s- smaller um, sort of... Uh, sherry glasses but with with honey we smear it on the inside so if you would have you can imagine you hold the glass you you take a a spoon a plastic spoon preferably because wood can taint the taste and metal as well so we use plastic and we recycle that and you agitate it so you smear it a lot on the inside of the wine glass and that releases the volatile oils that comes directly from the different botanical sources Um, I like to do that also room temperature or if you hold the the, you know in your hand it just releases that aroma better um, and often uh, if, if you first, you know, for, for my introductory sort of talks, I encourage people to then block the glass with their hand, you know, a bit and then lift it and, and have a bit of a sniff. So obviously, so we would describe the intensity whether it's low, medium or high of the nose. Um, we certainly look at color. We've got, there's an international color um, grading called the Funt scale um, that have got all these different colors and we would make a note as to what color it is. Natural light is the best. But as I've showed you earlier with my <laughs> cell phone light, when you show it through honey, yes. the, all these colors light yes, up. Yes. And then you would comment on, is it murky? You know, is it um, sometimes so also with granulated? So you still haven't tasted. You just no, no, the nose. Yeah, visual. Yeah, it's, it's, so, so it's um, visually you will, you will note the color. You will note the consistency. Can you see the pollen particles? Are there any other debris? Sometimes there's tiny bits of propolis or beeswax. Yeah, just everything that you can see physically. And then also the state of it. Is it in liquid? Is it semi-granulated? Is it, you know, um, pasty? What what can you observe? Purely just from using your eyesight. Mm. And then, of course, the next is the nose. And we use a, a honey aroma wheel, much like with wine and, and olive oil. With olive oil, the acidity often you, you pick up on the side of your tongue. So you've got your four tastes on your tongue. Um, and then there's a fifth taste, as we know, umami, which, um, you know, is not quite accepted, I think, throughout the world yet. It's a more in Eastern. But yes, more and more within the food world, I think it is now recognized. And then we get to the taste. So uh-huh. once you put, um, you've smeared your honey, then you take a good dollop of the honey and you place it on your tongue and you need to allow your saliva to form because the saliva and mix it throughout your mouth for those volatile oils to reach the olfactory bulb and ideally to exhale through your nose. So that's very similar to, to, to wine. wine. Yes, yes. Um, the only thing is your brain needs to be engaged to what else are you experiencing, <laughs> you know, the textural feel because the pressure or, or you know, and um, of the grains on your tongue and obviously in our, often in our mouth, these feelings are exaggerated. You know, sometimes you'll have something stuck in your teeth after you've eaten and it feels like this big something and when you pull it out, it's just a tiny, you know, so those feelings and senses um, the, the texture is exaggerate, exaggerated in your mouth but then there's another element where you know if the glucose um, dissolves for instance very quickly you get a sense of a coolness on your tongue which has got nothing to do with the taste or the flavor so it's a sensation you know that you experience
Yeah, so. Let's just take now what I want to do, Natasha, is I want you to do a little honey tasting for us here in the studio. But let's take a piece of music first while okay. we set everything up here. Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton is your next choice. Fantastic. Thank is you. Is there yes, a reason? I just love the song. You know, I do like a bit of uh, jazzy blues song. Um, I lived in Amsterdam for a year and it, we went around and listened to so, so many live music. Every little cafe and that just a tiny space you walk in and it's like the musician and maybe seven people can fit in there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It just takes me back to um, experiencing those, those little pubs and cafes. And yeah, I love the song.
That was Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton, another choice of my guest on this week's edition of People of Note, Natasha Lyon, who is a honey sommelier. And you know what? We're going to taste some honey now. Not only is there a honey comb in the studio, just to demonstrate those, as you said, Natasha, those amazing hexagonal things that bees build, but you've got three bottles of honey. Now, remember, this is not television, so yes. I'm going to take a stick. There's a plastic stick here with like a spade ending. And so, tell me what to do now. Right, okay, so they're in tiny little jars. First of all, you want to, um, I'm taking the lid off. Yes. And um, this is an, an aloe daviana honey. Um, and you want to smear the inside against the jar rapidly. Yes. And that releases the volatile oils, right? The consistency is creamy. It's a bit like condensed milk. In fact, the color even looks like condensed milk. <laughs> and this honey, actually, yeah. this nectar granulates between seven and nine days because the glucose element is quite high. So you'll swirl off a bit. Then you place it on your tongue. Allow the sal salivation to form. And then exhale. Okay, let exhale me see if I can nose. try. Yes. Um, so I don't have to scrape it, but I'd like to have yeah. a sniff. Ma have first a little of all, sniff. Because you've already done the scraping. So the intensity is quite low. You may pick up a little bit beeswax aroma. Definitely Besides beeswax. that, it doesn't have a strong nose at all. No. It's oh, a I very see. mild honey. I see also it's quite viscous. It's quite. Yes, sticky. it is. It, it's exactly like uh, a condensed milk. This was creamed by hand. And the other thing that, that you'll notice is there's a bit of a coolness, a coolness effect, which is more a sensation rather than aroma. It's medium sweetness. It's not too sweet. It's and too um, sweet. it mm. just melts away because of the glucose. You're left with a, a sensation of coolness. A little air conditioning mm. in the mouth, almost. Mm. And the granules, you can't even detect it. No, not oh at all. Oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. It's great. And, and it's aloe honey, did you say? That you this is aloe daviana honey. Okay. Um, yeah, from, from Northwest Province. Okay, now another okay, one. So Do I have to change right, my so stick? Yes, I th you can just drop it there in the bottle. Ah, right, so the next one. one we're going to do is a firm favorite. I think most people, certainly growing up in the Western Cape, um, it's an orange blossom. This orange blossom is from Moinoi, the beekeeper's hunts. And um, the nose is quite floral. So I've opened now the lid and reaching for another little stick. So if you put it in the jar, you can see it's it's not been opened before. And do you see how the, the it's set quite firm, it's not like the firm. other. It's yes, very it's firm. Almost jelly -like. Yes, and if you have a look at it, you can almost see different size crystals. Do you see that? Remember, all honey will granulate. Yes. Some seven to nine days, like the aloe we've just tasted. Others will take three weeks, three months, or even years to granulate. So what I'd like you to try and pick up on here Rodney is the nose is quite floral and it is similar to the blossoms actually of orange blossom but then when you put it in your mouth it it and this is what happens with honey there's so many different layers you will pick up on on a fruity sort of aroma um yeah let's taste okay so I'm taking a scoop how's this I'm tasting I before you I don't need you. to clean my <laughs> palate before oh. and this. and you see it's 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 a bit more um Hmm. It's not as as white in color, no. so this is this will be a light. Um, oh, it's very very thick. Isn't this it? is between amber and and water white. I would say yes. the color on the fun scale. I was going to say something a little bit silly and say it's color of Vaseline, hmm. but that's yeah, not, it's not very far nice from it. It's a bit more yellowish than. Hmm. Now, how aromatic is that? Hmm. The fragrance that's is quite floral and it's intense. And the granules. 
give it a lovely texture. Yes, and do you, have you noticed there's different size granules? So the glucose melted quickly, and then you're left with very small grains, almost like a sandy feeling yes, on your tongue. Yes, sandy, but pleasantly so, not unpleasantly yes, yes. so. Yes, yes, and it's an experience, you know, and mm-hmm. this is where eating granulated honey is, is wonderful, even when you combine it with smooth, soft tea cheeses like ricotta, and now you're getting into a sensory experience, you know, of all these different textures. The other thing um, that I can feel is on the side of my tongue, it's, it's, there's a tartness. Um, I'm very aware of the tartness, but I don't know where in my mouth it's Yes, it's, it's um, almost as if it's a little bit pungent, mm-hmm. but, but pungency is not an attribute to, to orange blossom, really. Uh, how can I say? You, you've got like a dry mouth feel. Do you feel that? It's almost yes, like it's dried out your right. mouth completely. Yes, it's dried out my mouth, right? absolutely. This is a, l- a sip of wine. Yes. So, so the <laughs> <laughs> and, and so where is the wine? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not allowed to. Um, so the other thing also, this orchid that it comes from, uh, there's citrus as well. So it's not just orange blossom. There's nectars that um, come definitely, uh, or there's nectars included from lemon trees and, and other varietals. Okay. Um, it's not a pure orange. And this farmer <laughs> plants yeah, a wide variety and... Um, Use very, very, um, very little, you know, sort of crop protection. Before we do our next one, which is a different color altogether, um, what we're doing actually is encouraging people at home, aren't we, to take their honey more seriously and possibly to do a little tasting before you put it on your toast or bread or run it over yogurt. Yes. Um, Just as you say, going through these, take a little stick. Yes. And taste it out the bottle first. Absolutely. That's a very good That's point. And then thereafter start mixing and, and combining yeah, and pairing. Yeah. You know, the honey have got so many different flavors and aromas that um, an orange blossom from Moinoy, where this one's from, and citrus doll, again, it's the same DNA, it's the same mm-hmm. botanical, uh, but, but a different botanical footprint, which just, there's different layers. So you get you get like an acacia and you get a, orange blossom that's yeah. slightly more fragrant or just different because um, there's do other, the other nectars one, in it as well yes, yes. I'm intrigued in that one because yes. it's much darker so the next honey we're going to taste is um, quite a dark much darker than the other two it would be a medium amber honey and this honey took about three to four months to granulate this Rodney is a very rare honey it comes from the Bucano tree and um, so although at this April there's always Bucanote nectar um, this is a definitive bucanote because the rain in the previous year just meant that there was a massive nectar flow and the nose is definitive coffee you will think that i've infused this and i have not yeah actually i should have kept quiet and asked you to oh my goodness me isn't that incredible right you have definitely put some coffee no i mean and that is honey for you you know i've got honeys that are bitter 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 Honey, that so that's the thing, you know. Honey's not just sweet, mm. um, and and real, true, and and raw honey have got flavour and aroma. But this one has it's quite interesting because there's a sort of a liquid at the top, yes. and the bottom part has as granulated. Yes. So so this honey is um, we we get from this apiary. We we may get this harvest every you know four to or three to five years, and as the crystals have have granulated, it has. Um, exerted some moisture that's settled at the top. So over time you will have fermentation that develops there because there's yeast cells that the bees bring from the botanical footprint and that activates it. So it, it is uh, if we had to judge this honey or I had to assess this honey, that would be a defect. However, I, I use it to as part of my honey talks to explain what fermentation is and in this case, although some of the uh, properties of the honey have been compromised 
it is still beautiful to eat and that coffee nose now is still prominent. Now, do you have to mix it to get the liquid in? Yes, I, I mix it. Some people would pour it off, but, you know, you if you're going to you have this over your mixing. breakfast or... Let's have a <laughs> it is quite full, yes, yes so uh, let's mix it mess. around, yes. Uh, the oh, granules is that. a lot bigger and they definitely... Are. And, and you'll, if you put it on your tongue, you'll also see these edgy. They're edgy. Some are smooth, some are ragged, um... Yeah, just watch out because it will be a little bit more dri- bit drippy. drippy. Yeah. Okay, let me. And oh, this is I medium see. amber. Oh, and you can feel actually the texture, can't you, with the with the granules? Mm. This honey oh. is amazing. You know, and so imagine collecting this this honey with blue cheese or a strong cheese and olives oh, and me. right? Isn't that the incredible? One, the best one today. Isn't that incredible, right? Was. Um, and what is it? I call it the cappuccino honey. <laughs> it's uh, the book of notes. It's um, yeah, a book a book of note honey. Okay. Um, it's oh, very and special. And these honey. honeys are available at beekeepers' shops, not necessarily on supermarket shelves. You know, uh, we we do see more differentiating uh, happening uh, and on the retail shelves. You know, the guys are really trying to differentiate and tell the story. Um, but I, I would encourage people get to know your local, especially in the Western Cape. You've got the Fainbos so region, yeah, which is exactly. amazing. You know, a lot of those Fainbos people go, oh no, it's but explore with it. You know, play One around of my with it. Very best friends as a bee farmer, yes. Chris Nicklin, and um, it's fascinating to watch what he does and how he extracts the honey from the comb, how it's spin, you know, centrifugal yes. force and then ending up in the bottle. Yes. So he's my current supplier. Um, but you know what, Natasha, we have to stop now. And <laughs> I know there's a great big honeycomb standing here and all sorts of things, but it's been fascinating talking to you because I love honey so much. Thank you. And I shall remember now not to boil away the... No, please uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but just to enjoy uh, them, yes. the granulated honey. But thanks for sharing all that. And I must say, you're the first honey sommelier that I've ever met, but you've certainly made me realize how important a honey sommelier is. So thanks for your input. And your last piece, by the way, it's called To Make You Feel My Love by Celeski. Yes, it's actually a cover. Bob Dylan wrote the song, but I, I selected this because if we can all understand, uh, the, this is the bee's gift to us. And, you know, I want people to feel this by seeing it, experiencing, tasting it. And, yeah, feel feel the love. And let's plant for bees. Um, we need them badly, don't Absolutely. We? And all bees. Yeah, We've got yeah. 22,000 bee species. Natasha Lyon, thank you very much. You're welcome, Rodney. It was great being here. Thank you for having me. I might have to tell you that after that, the stage was packed with flowers. Next time. This is a song by Bob Dylan. When the rain is blowing in your face And the whole world is on your case I would offer you a warm embrace To make you feel my Shadows and the stars appear And there's no one to dry your tears I would hold you for a million years To make you feel my love I know you haven't made your mind up yet 
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FMR 101.3